Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to Godsplaining. I'm Father Gregory Pine, joined here by Father Jacob Bertrand Janzik, and we're delighted to bring in this new month of August. Whether you're listening immediately upon release or down the line, for us, it is August, both the day that we record and the day that it is dropped. So while we would love to bring you more live content, which reminds me, we have a live planning coming up tomorrow, if you're listening to this on August 5th, tomorrow uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Father Jacob Bircher and I will bring you our, I think at this point it's our fourth installment of live planning. But now I'm getting into closing comments without having actually given opening comments, which is a sin of sorts. Um, so Father Jacob Bertrand, you are winding up your time at Summer Projects in, in Colorado Springs. Yep. How have things been for these, uh, these last couple of weeks? Good. Um, yeah, it's kind of been, I don't know, kind of all over the place. Not all over the place. That's not, that's not right. But there's been a lot going on. So um, wrapping up for, I've just finished time in Colorado. Uh, but within the last, like, um, what, couple of weeks of my time, we had our retreat, the God's planning retreat back in New York. So I flew back from Colorado um, to New York and kind of bookended that trip in DC as you, Father Gregory, know, but maybe our listeners don't. So, um, and then came back to Colorado for last week out here with Focus Summer Projects. And yeah, now I'm I'm through with that, which is kind of strange because I've been out in Colorado since like the end-ish, middle-ish of May. So it's been a long haul, but good, but kind of, you know, sad to leave, but also looking forward to the fall and things that are coming up and and those sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. Things to look forward to. I guess I want to look back, or what would be opposite of look forward? Yeah, I guess look back. Uh, look back to the, the Godsplaining retreat, because that was a really sweet moment. It was a really excellent thing for the five of us, for Katie, who helped tremendously with it, and then for the 70 retreatants who were able to join us in Huntington, uh, New York, on Long Island. And uh, for those of you who weren't there, maybe just to kind of thought a kind of a fruit of the weekend was that, um, yeah, we just had some really wonderful exchanges, really, really wonderful conversations with those who were in attendance. And at least for me, it really solidified the fact that God's planning isn't just about sound bites that one passively consumes. It's really about forming relationships, foremost a relationship with the Lord, but also those relationships which conduct us to the Lord. And I really had um, uh, a meaningful sense of that during the time that we shared. Uh, so I, I was super grateful for that. But you know, we talked a little bit about it in the car, and I think you might echo some of the thoughts. Although you were doing more logistics than I was, I was just kind of flailing about in conversation <laughs> while you made sure that the retreat actually happened. So kudos to you for that. But I don't know any uh, any thoughts, any impressions from the uh, from the weekend? Yeah, I the whole I, I guess I don't know how you categorize these things as successes or not because you can always improve. They could always be different. But I think generally. Um, at least on the friars end, we were, I think we were more excited to just be together and be able to, to preach the gospel together, um, but also do it in person. So um, as we said on the retreat and as Father Gregory just alluded to a bit that, you know, the, for us, the, our work of preaching the gospel and sharing the faith is not confined to a podcast, though it's a great avenue by which to preach, uh, especially because of people listen to podcasts. But for it, there, there's a lot more to be said, I think, for having that time together and to do that as a group, to pray together, to think about our Lord together and just kind of like hang out together. So we were able to do all of that. And and the seminary where we had it, the seminary of the Immaculate Conception in um, on Long Island was really beautiful. It was 
a really great setting for it all. So it was just fun to do it and fun to be together and, and that sort of thing. I think too, it was the first time since we've started the podcast, which is about two years now that the five of us have been together as the five of us. So it was, it was nice to have that time, uh, together and, and, and to have the sort of, yeah, just be together and preach the gospel together and be with other people who are excited to be there. Yeah. And here we are, uh, Two years into the project, we released our first episode on the Feast of St. Dominic in 2019, and here we are coming up again on the Feast of St. Dominic in 2021. So we thought that at this juncture, having whatever, I mean, 105 episodes, normal episodes uh, behind us, that we would look back on not, not the inspiration for the podcast in a kind of local sense, but on the inspiration for the order of preachers from which the podcast arises in a more global way. So as we approach the Feast of St. Dominic, to think a little bit about uh, the character of his sanctity, of his virtue as an inspiration, not just for you, know, for, you for me, for the five of us who contribute to the podcast, but in a wider, a wider sense to, for the, the Dominican communion and the Christian community at large, because if he's a saint, that means that the church is proposing his virtue to us as a kind of standard of excellence or as a kind of inspiration for how we too might grow in a relationship with the Lord. So we're here then to, to talk a little bit about, about St. Dominic. So, Father Jacob Burton, you wanted to set us up with the rough biographical outlines, and then maybe we could get into some, some of our favorite stories about St. Dominic. Yeah, so to, to clue you into who he was, when he was, um, this will be like a two-minute or a couple-minute thing if you really want the, the sort of... Uh, all the pieces of Dominic's biography. There's a book that we have to read in the novitiate uh, by, I think, St. Dominic and His Times. Is that right? By by Vicaire. It's this massive yep. tome. Like the, I remember the first in the first chapter, uh, Vicaire, who's the author, talks about um, the like the the soil content in in Dominic's hometown. So it gets that detailed. But this this will be oh, yeah. less than that. But um, yeah, so just to to recap on Saint Dominic, he was born in either 1170 or 1171 in Spain in Calarroega, Spain. Um, he was born into a, a pretty well-to-do family. Uh, had at least one other brother. Um, Manes was his brother's name. Uh, and then, uh, obviously his parents, blessed Jane is his mother. Uh, she's a, a blessed and his brother Manes is also a blessed. Um, so grew up in a pretty comfortable, I guess, by all, I don't know what 12th century comfortability looks like, but you know, they had money. <laughs> um, so he grew up there. And then as a young, as a young man was sent to do his studies with his uncle, who was a priest. Um, so he studied with his, with his uncle as a young as a young man, which was would have been a sort of typical thing to go study under a priest, um, as priests tended to have some sort of education to instill. Uh, and as he grew older, he ended up entering uh, a canonry in Osma, Spain. Uh, so he he was a religious before he founded the order. Uh, so he he was an Augustinian canon in the cathedral city of Osma under the bishop who was Diego um, for most of Dominic's. Um, life as a canon there. And through his time in the canonry, or, or, or sorry, in the cathedral canonry, um, he he sort of rose through the ranks and uh, became the sub-prior of the community and was noted for his sort of seriousness and his intellectual kind of study and his prayerfulness. But, you know, as a, as a well-respected young canon and a young priest, um, and as a, as subprior and as a young respected canon, the bishop Diego um, took Dominic on a on a sort of apostolic trip to what we think was um, to help 
um, not arrange, but sort of like tie up the ends of a marriage between some nobles. And on that trip um, across the south of Spain and um, uh, south of Spain over through France and Italy and the south of France, Dominic and Diego encountered this heresy. Um, This is where the order was founded, or at least the first sort of heretical movement that Dominic preached against the Albigensians. And in the in in encountering these Albigensians, they they were dualists who believed in the good spiritual world and the evil material world. So despised the body and things of matter and um, had issues with incarnational doctrine and these sort of things. And Dominic and Diego wanted to stay to preach against this this heresy to bring these people back into the fold. Ultimately, Diego was not allowed to stay. Uh, Bishop Diego was sent back to his diocese, but Dominic was allowed. And it was in this south of France region that Dominic founded after a good number of years working and preaching in the area, founded the order. The order was officially founded in 1216 as a group of men dedicated to study and prayer and the preaching of the gospel. So December 22nd, 1216, the order is the is the anniversary of the order's founding. And then Dominic would die not too long after. He died in 1221, um, so in August of 1221, so just under um, five years after the order's official founding. So this month, August, um, we're celebrating the 800th anniversary of St. Dominic's death. He died in August of 1221. Um, So that's super quick, but I think we're going to talk a little bit more about some things in Dominic's life, but give you at least the the skeleton of of that for you. And then within that skeleton, we want to kind of add the flesh or fill out the features of St. Dominic's holiness or sanctity. And I think one one good way to buy by which to do that is to focus on his virtues. And, you know, you could say many things about St. Dominic. He was charitable. He was merciful. He was solicitous or kind, you know, very concerned for the good of those with whom he was in contact. He had a spirit of mortification. He was humble. He was magnanimous. You could say all kinds of things, but maybe we could just pick out a, a couple of virtues and highlight those with a couple of stories. So how about first, uh, so, so to highlight St. Dominic's charity or his mercy, uh, you, you describe this journey that he took to help tie up the ends of a marriage. And during the course of that journey, he stayed overnight in an inn with his bishop and his traveling companions. And at the inn, he encountered an Albigensian heretic. And St. Dominic, is, it said, spent the whole night engaged in conversation with this gentleman until such time as with the, with the dawning of the sun, the man was reconciled to the true faith. So you see there a commitment to the Lord and a commitment to the discourse but also, in a very human way, a commitment to the love of this man, not simply because St. Dominic wanted to add a successful convert to his ledger, but because he was moved, he was you know, very much animated by the prospect of this man's salvation. And it was said that you know, when St. Dominic would pray at night, he would weep copiously, so copiously as to leave little pools of tears on the church steps, and he would ask the Lord, what will become of sinners? So it's very evident that he was, he was motivated, motivated by charity, motivated by mercy, that being one of the, one of the big virtues we see in his life. Uh, what do you think are some, some others that you see in St. Dominic, others that you want to highlight? Yeah, I think uh, his, his sort of dedication, I don't know if there's like a, a virtue you can, that one word kind of summing up the virtue, I guess it's, it falls under charity really, but his dedication and desire to... Um, to preach the gospel um, and his, uh, yeah, the way by which he he saw or understood that preaching the gospel was not just something that you do. Um, he wasn't a preacher in in the sense of it was his job 
to preach, but it was something that he was. He was a preacher. Um, he lived the life of preaching. And this is something that uh, this kind of charism, perhaps more than a virtue of the order, is you know, passed on to us, the sons of St. Dominic, who live the life um, of him. I remember, uh, or the life that he established. Um, I remember on a vocation weekend, uh, on the vocation weekend that I went to at the House of Studies when I was in college, I think Father Gregory, we were on the same weekend. I can't remember. I think that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, Father James Brent uh, was then a deacon, and there was a holy hour one evening, and he preached um, at the holy hour, and he preached about St. Dominic's life as inspiring um, future Dominicans, the generations of Dominicans who would, who would come. And one of the things that struck me from that little fervorino, that little homily, was um, how Father James mentioned how, uh, how tirelessly St. Dominic uh, walked back and forth across Europe between Rome and France and Spain, preaching the gospel throughout his life. Um, you know, so St. Dominic is known to have uh, walked barefoot between the cities and wore boots in the city. So, um, but, you know, th there are stories of him, of how he prayed when he walked and how he prayed when he preached. And as Father Gregory said, how he prayed at night. Um, there's a saying that Dominic spoke only to God or about God um, with the brethren, with others. Um, there are all these stories of St. Dominic meeting different people along the way. The innkeeper is a great one, um, you know, kind of the, the example par excellence of Dominic's preaching, but just his desire to preach the gospel with all that he, with all that he was and all that he is. Um, you also see this, this sort of um, desire to preach in the way by which he sent the early brethren out um, to preach the gospel two by two, imitating the apostolic mission. So right after the order was, a found, was founded in August of the next year at the Assumption, uh, so, so it would be 1217, St. Dominic sent out the, the handful of men in pairs um, throughout to the university cities of Europe so as to preach. But the sense of this tirelessness, um, this willingness, this sacrificial ability or desire to kind of waste himself for the sake of the gospel, to spend himself for the sake of the gospel is something that is, um, I guess, yeah, inspiring in, in a founder, someone who would give his life so fully to a, to a mission. Yeah. And, and you can see in that witness, so to identify two virtues, one devotion, this promptness with which he gave himself, the wholeheartedness with which he gave himself, and then magnanimity that he wanted to do it in a way that was great. He desired great things worthy of great honors because they were great. So he didn't shy away because he thought, oh man, you know, maybe this will be thought proud or maybe this will be thought ambitious or maybe this will be thought vainglorious. He just knew that the work had to be done. He knew that in the marrow of his bones. And you, you have that book that you quoted earlier, St. Dominic and His Times by Vicaire. A couple of quotations are given that St. Dominic, when questioned about the nature of his mission, said something to the effect of, don't question me, I know what I'm doing. So St. Dominic was, was confident in it, but confident with a kind of yeah, sense that this was on the grand scale. So like when you talk about August 1217, when he disperses the brethren to some of these major university cities in Europe, the quote that we have attributed to them in that, in that setting is, grain gathered in a silo or gathered in a barn rots. So the sense was, this grain needs to be distributed. It needs to fall to the ground and die so that from that arises the life of the gospel as our Lord Jesus Christ communicates to us in Revelation, in the tradition, etc. So there's the sense that he wants it. He's hungry for it. Uh, and he also knows that it's great, but in no way is he cowed by fear. He's, he's just, uh, he has the, the sense of purpose of one 
uh, through whom God is very evidently working. And I think that's very beautiful to behold, even 800 years after the fact, uh, but something that can really orient our own apostolic endeavors. So thinking then of those apostolic endeavors, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll see how St. Dominic's virtues remain for us sources of inspiration and guides for our own 21st century life. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. All right, folks, welcome back to Godsplaining. We are here talking about St. Dominic on the 800th anniversary of his death and on the second anniversary of the launching of the podcast, inspired by the charism that he received from the Lord to preach the gospel in season and out of season. So we just talked a little bit about St. Dominic, his life, and then the virtues which he exhibits in his life. And now we want to turn to how those virtues remain fruitful for us. So, Father Jacob Bertrand, you and Father Patrick just wrote a book, which is effectively um, St. Dominic's way of life proposed to us as a guide for Christian living. So what was it like? Maybe you can just kind of lead us into it by talking a little bit about the process of researching for and writing that book, and then your mentality when thinking about how St. Dominic's life applies to our own. Yeah. So Father Patrick and I, um, I think it was Father Patrick's idea. No, it was Father Patrick's idea. It wasn't mine. Um, But in, in coming up on this month, St. Dominic's 800th anniversary. Um, so I guess about a year ago, we proposed, Father Patrick proposed this idea of um, representing St. Dominic uh, to the to contemporary Christians, to uh, the 21st century, that sort of thing. We, you know, there are a number of saints that have, are, are quickly recognized and some of their attributes and virtues are quickly recognized in popular piety. So St. Francis comes to mind immediately, but less so about St. Dominic in many ways. Um, he was kind of a hidden um, founder. Uh, for him, it was about establishing a way of life. And then he didn't live terribly long after that. So he gave us a way of life and is certainly the inspirer of that. And the graces um, of, of St. Dominic are, you know, bestowed upon the order. But we thought that, you know, being so devoted and, and, and loving St. Dominic so much that he really does have a lot to offer to uh, the 21st century. So that, that was the inspiration behind it. So what we, what we thought to do was to highlight some, um, some of St. Dominic's characteristics or virtues, um, using stories, um, from his life or a lot of, uh, a lot of what we know about St. Dominic, um, comes, uh, from the, um, the canonization process after his death, when the church was reviewing his life before he was canonized, before he was made a saint. So from, from eyewitnesses of Dominic's life, talking about him is how we learn a lot about St. Dominic. So we thought, let's look at that. Let's look at St. Dominican's life and let's see how that life has formed us as Dominicans, but um, translate that over for those who aren't living Dominican life, but can still be inspired by uh, the life that St. Dominic lived and the virtues that he lived and, and um you know, his witness to Christ. So we did that under the, the book is, is composed of eight chapters. Um, and we, we, each chapter is kind of dedicated to a, a part of St. Dominic's life or, um, a virtue of his or that sort of thing. So there, there is a St. Dominic was particularly given to scripture. He always carried, um, the gospel of Matthew with him by way of example. So, um, 
what the first chapter is on on scripture. It's called Living in the Word. Um, and we look at, well, what did St. Dominic do? How did he live? And then how does that help us? So even just by way of example of that, of, of um, you know, diving into the scriptures, of, of coming to know Christ through the living word and um, using that as, as a means by which we can deepen our faith and enrich our own spiritual lives. Um, of course, you know, reading the scriptures is not a novel thing, but, um, you know, looking at it through the lens of a particular saint of how St. Dominic lived um, with and through the scriptures is, is um, perhaps a new way or a different way to look at it. Um, so there are seven other chapters in addition to that one, but that's, that's one of them where, where we kind of uh, highlighted St. Dominic's life a bit. Yeah, so maybe, maybe we could just think a little bit then about St. Thomas' devotedness to the Word of God as proclaimed, as revealed, uh, and the way in which that shaped him or shapes Dominican life and more broadly shapes Christian life. And I think one thing to kind of draw out is St. Dominic is a, is a contemplative so you describe how when traveling, St. Dominic was very given to prayer. It's often said that he would just break into song, often singing the Ave Mara Stella or the Veni Creator Spiritus or other such like hymns. Um, and that St. Dominic was kind of always, as it were, like you said, he spoke with God or about God. He was always poised for those types of conversations, very recollected in the Lord. And that the scriptures are, are a big part of that. And I think that for a lot of 21st century types, we want to have certainty that God is speaking to us. And so it can be easy to kind of get hung up uh, you know, in questions of discernment and trying to tease out, as it were, what the Lord wills in a very concrete and particular way from my life. And I think oftentimes we can be forgetful of, that, of the fact that God has spoken and continues to speak in the sacred page. Not in the sense that you just open the Bible and flip to a random page, point at it, and then do whatever is said. Even that's like, if it's like, and Elijah, you know, sent the she-bear after the children to maul them. And you're like, holy smokes, I hope that doesn't apply to my life in any real way. Um, but in the sense that, you know, God shapes our minds and hearts after the manner of his, his revelation so that we can be more receptive to that word and so that we can be more shaped by that word and so ultimately that we can be more conformed by that word. So St. Saint, Saint Dominic in his preaching mission has this very, very deep appreciation for the way in which Scripture is formative, formative in the recitation of the Liturgy of the Hours, formative in the celebration of the Sacred Liturgy, formative in, you know, Lectio Divina and more broadly, um, but that it's something that ought to be held close, it's something that ought to be held dear, because it gives us the kind of confidence that the Lord speaks. So, yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there, there are things in that chapter that you identify, but um, yeah. other, other thoughts? Yeah, one of the things that we... Um, especially when we were editing. So Father Patrick and I wrote, we didn't write the chapters together. We wrote, we div divvied up the work basically and wrote um, half the book each and then did heavy editing to make sure that things were, you know, that it fit together as one book and not kind of like contributions to a project, but as, as one book. So, um, and then our editors did a great job helping with that too. But one of the things that we realized in our own kind of editing process, process together was um, that it was difficult sometimes to suss out where different, um, where different, I guess, stories or parts of Dominic's life would fit. Like, for example, Father Gregory mentioned that the story of the innkeeper, um, the story of the innkeeper could fit in a number of the chapters of the book, but it was like, well, where do we put it? Where does it best sit? And I think that that struggle of trying to figure out, well, where does it, does it fit within the chapter on, on truth? Does it fit within the chapter of within the fold of living within the church or mission to witness on preaching or uh, friendship unto heaven of, 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 you know, a chapter on friendship and Dominic's great love for people? Like, where do we put it? 
And I think that reveals something about St. Dominic's life, not our indecisiveness, perhaps our indecisiveness, but uh, something more about St. Dominic's life and uh, the Christian life more generally is that um, is that St. Dominic's life was, um, and, and especially the form of life that he established, is one that encompasses the entirety of the human person. So if you look at the structure of, of Dominic's life or and what he left in the form of life that we live, it's 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 basically based on a couple things that that a life of intense prayer of contemplation a life of study but a life of doing those things together in a in a community after you know the one goal of preaching um and and that and those aspects um draw in the whole of the person in the same way that dominic like preaching for the dominican and preaching for the for saint dominic wasn't a job it's a way of life so too like christianity you know christianity being a christian isn't something we just do on the weekends or or at, you know sunday mass but really is involves all of us because the lord wants all of us he wants to to save and redeem you know us as men and women not as pieces so you see that i think very alive in saint dominic's life uh from his desire to study and know the lord through through whether that's sacred scripture or other sacred texts uh, theological texts, whether that's through his prayer, through his preaching, through his friendship with the brethren, um, through his his love of the Blessed Mother and the Blessed Mother's love of him. Um, you know, you just see this over and over that uh, a reminder that um, there's, there's a wholeness to holiness, um, that the Lord wants the whole of us, and that the Christian life isn't an imposition, but uh, on on that, but like an invitation to to be given to that, uh, to be fulfilled in that. And I think Saint Dominic's life uh, highlights that in a, in a unique and, and a special and, and I don't know, balanced sounds kind of like I don't know psycho babble kind of thing. Like he lived a balanced life. What does that mean? Does he did he get like enough fruits and vegetables the type thing? But you know he lived a balanced life. Um, that that was given to being you know sanctified through and through and offers an example for Dominicans but also for you know for for the lady who might have a devotion to him yeah i i i kind of want to tease out the implications of that word balance because you highlight different aspects of it in the way that you describe saint dominic uh but i think that that's something for which a lot of people you know nowadays are are pining are uh, desirous thereof um, because I think a lot of us feel just kind of a little bit off kilter, a little bit wonky. We feel that our lives have assumed a shape that we might not have ordinarily wanted, or were we to have been posed with the option of living this way or that way, we, we would not necessarily have chosen to live in the way that we presently do. I mean, in the sense of like, a lot of folks are working remotely and spending 50 hours a week looking at a computer screen. And maybe, you know, they, they at the beginning of the pandemic, they were thinking, oh, this will afford me the opportunity to do these things that I've been wanting to do. But then they found that those things were left undone for the next 18 months. And all they had the time and patience to do was just watch the next episode of whatever TV show they were using to get themselves through the sadness of these kind of present trial times. So I think that a lot of us hear balance and we're like, yes, you know, I want something of that balance. And I think one of the things that's, that's so attractive about the light of St. Dominic is that his balance begins and ends in the Lord, right? So the Dominicans are, are a preaching order, right? So it's a, it's a form of apostolic life. There's the sense that St. Dominic wanted to live the life that the apostles lived, and he knew that, you know, it's proper to apostle to be with the Lord, right? And then to, to preach, um, as it's described in, in Mark 3, for instance. Uh, so he begins with this sense that there is a time for being with the Lord. Uh, you know, it's said that he gave his nights to God, he gave his days to men. Uh, and you think about just the, the, the shape of his life. St. Dominic was 50, 51 years old when he died. 
And like, you know, like you identified Father Jacob Bertrand, it's only the last five of his years, which are spent in doing all of the necessary administrative work for bringing together the order of preachers and missioning those men to the various kind of limits of the earth. So he spends a lot of time in preparation, in a hidden preparation, in a contemplative preparation. And then, you know, at the end of his life, you see him return to the Lord in a way, um, in that, like, you know, you think about the way in which St. Francis died, and he asked himself to be stripped of his clothes and laid on the ground, uh, his eyes having been blinded by the copious tears that he wept throughout the course of his life. St. Dominic's life looks very similar in shape. He died in another man's habit. He died in another man's cell because he didn't have a good habit to wear and he didn't have a cell of his own. So there's a sense that he, he naked he came into the world, naked he went forth, and that his balance, although, you know, by, by some outward auspices, he seems, you know, a little bit imbalanced, you know, walking through thorn patches with bare feet and things like that. That, that his balance is something that, that comes from God and returns to God, and that ultimately he finds his source and stay, his security, in God. And that's something, that's something to which we can all aspire, and it's something that the grace of God is working in each of our lives, albeit in different ways. It might not take the same form visibly, but it has the same kind of dynamism in our, in our heart of hearts. Yeah, one of, the, um, one of the other, I guess it's all of a part, all of a piece, but one of the other things that... E, that um, I guess I knew, I'm sure I knew because, you know, especially in, in the novitiate, when we were first starting out in our formation in the order, we read a lot about St. Dominic to get to know him better, these kind of things. It makes sense uh, that when you're starting out, you want to get to know him as as well as you can. And so I, I'm sure I read these things, but, you know, in, in doing research for the book and putting the book together, one of the things that I was reminded of, and pleasantly so, was um, St. Dominic's relationship with, especially with the brethren, um, because even there, there was a sense of, of balance that he was, he was quite stern at times. You know, he didn't, he didn't waver from the mission as, as Father Gregory said earlier when he was sending out the brethren, you know, that he knew what he was doing. That's what he, I know what I'm doing. Um, not, not letting men get in the way or when men were, um, you know, when there was an issue of obedience or that sort of thing, St. Dominic was always very stern, but he was also known for his charity and his, and his love and his fondness of the brothers and his softness with the brothers and his ability to, um, his ability to coax them into doing the right and the good thing. Um, not so much by, by words, but by, um, just by his witness of his life and who he was and, and what he was and how he was. And I think that, 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 um, that reality or being able to encounter St. Dominic in that way is, is still, is still on offer. It's, it's, he's, his sort of personality is, is still on offer for us to meet and to encounter, um, whether that's through his intercession and becoming a friend of his in prayer or through the order in some way, uh, you know, through whether that's Dominican friars or sisters, nuns, these kind of things. But to see that there's, there's something, uh, there's something radiant about St. Dominic and the grace and the charism that he, that he's given to the church and to the world and something, um, attractive and ultimately that attractiveness, um, I think is the greatest, is the greatest preacher, you know, that, that we, that we see someone who is in love and on fire, um, in love with the Lord and on fire for the Lord and for the gospel. And we, we want to be part of that. And I, you know, hearing the testimonies of St. Dominic's contemporaries at just after his death, that certainly seemed to be the case. And I think still is today. Um, and, and is something that is needed in the church and in the world today to, to sort of, uh, what re reissue the, the sort of call of 
of holiness in in a new way through new or and again through through saint dominic in in ways that are particular to him boom so we give thanks to almighty god for the witness uh for the sanctity of saint dominic uh the source of our own charism the source of our own apostolic mandate uh but also a source of grace for the church entire and ultimately one sense to the church entire for the salvation of souls for the glory of God. So it's a great gift to receive. It's a great gift to communicate. Um, so thanks so much for having listened. We're grateful for your own efforts in liking and sharing and reviewing the podcast. And certainly we benefit from that insofar as more able to hear the word proclaimed, uh, whether about St. Dominic or weird things like postmodern literature or scrupulosity. You know, uh, we, we hope that it helps. We hope that it's of service. Uh, we thank also those of you who support the podcast through Patreon. We're very grateful for that. And it has enabled us to grow. Um, some small other things with which to conclude. Uh, applications remain open for the Camino trip that'll take place late May, early June of 2022. And you can find information about that on the website. And like I mentioned at the top of the hour, we'll be having another live splaining on August 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And pretty soon here, we're going to be moving to just a regular schedule with live splaining where we have it every other week. So you can look forward to that and enjoy that as they come uh, up on your YouTube feed. So if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, be sure to do so and press the bell. And that way, Google will be forced to remind you when some interesting things are afoot. So our prayers are for you. Please pray for us. And we ask that through the intercession of St. Dominic, Almighty God might be generous to you and his gifts of many graces. All right, we'll talk to you soon next time on God's Planning. Cheers. Thanks for listening to God's Planning a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.